Hey there, it's good to see you. I've got a question for you. Are you discouraged? Maybe discouragement hasn't taken over your whole life, but maybe it's taken over compartments of your life. Maybe we feel discouraged over the state of our marriage. Or maybe it's our relationships with our kids. Or maybe it's our work and we feel discouraged about our employment or the lack of it. Or maybe it's a discouragement over our spiritual life and you've started off Lent with a real strong step forward and now you feel like you've taken three steps back. Or maybe you feel discouraged when you look at the world or maybe when you look at the state of the church. Father Gabriel points us today to two sources of discouragement. And really the punchline is this. There's no good reason to be discouraged in the Christian life. So we'll go to those two sources of discouragement. And at the end here, we'll talk about what we can do to respond to these emotions that rise up in our heart. Father Gabriel says, By examining ourselves thoroughly, we see that discouragement always comes from two closely related causes. The first is that we depend upon our own strength. Through it, our pride is wounded and deceived when we fall. The second is that we lack reliance on God. We do not think of referring to Him in times of prosperity, nor do we have recourse to Him when we fail Him. In short, we act by ourselves. We try to succeed alone. We fall alone. And alone we contemplate our fall. The result of such conduct can only be discouragement. Father Gabriel telling us that discouragement comes from two places, a reliance on ourself and a lack of trust in God. And obviously these two points are related. My question is, how do we see this manifest in our life? How is this expressed? I think it's expressed in some obvious ways. Firstly, in the lack of the sacramental life. If we are claiming that we have a great faith in God and we are following Him, but we are not running to the Eucharist and we're not running to the sacrament of mercy, how can we say that we trust in anyone else except for ourselves? Assuming that we know better and assuming that we're Catholic. The second thing is this, simply participating in the sacramental life doesn't necessarily express a reliance in God. Because we can go through the external forms of participating in the sacramental life, but our interior disposition is prideful. I think one way that we can see the lack of trust in Jesus and reliance in ourself is how we live during the day. Do we start our day with prayer? If we're not starting our day with prayer, how can we claim we're living our day with Jesus? But beyond prayer, just living the duty of the moment, are we recalling to mind the presence of God? Do we have a conversation with Him throughout the day? Are thoughts of Him present to us? I don't understand how we can say we are living for Jesus and relying on Him when we never think about Him during the day. So we can have the external manifestation of trust by participating in the sacramental life, but if our thoughts never go to Him throughout the day, how can we say we're living for Him? When you love someone, Do you not think about them regularly? That's normal. I think about my family regularly. I think about my wife regularly. Should not we think about Jesus regularly if we're trusting and relying in Him? Now, some of this has to be developed. It takes a habit. We have to 
strive for this. But I think these are different ways that show a lack of trust in Jesus and a reliance on self when we are not participating in the sacramental life and when our thoughts in the day are not going towards Jesus. Father Gabriel says, well, what should we do when we fail, when we fall into imperfections? He brings up two men, two men who've had great failures, Peter and Judas. And their responses are very, very different. How does Peter respond when he denies Jesus? Well, you know the story. He weeps bitterly. There's a sign of repentance in his heart towards Jesus. So how does Judas respond? Well, very differently than Peter. When he realizes what he has done is very wrong, he feels remorse. So his conscience is alive. And he even takes the 30 pieces of silver that he sold Jesus out for, and returns them. So in one sense, he's trying to do restitution. But the problem with Judas is that he's relying in his own strength. And then what does he do? He hangs himself. There is remorse, but there's no repentance. He feels bad, but he does not humble himself and trust in the mercy of Jesus. Judas's biggest sin was not that he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Judas's biggest sin was that he did not trust in the mercy of God. God the Father said to St. Catherine of Siena, this is a sin that is never forgiven, now or ever. The refusal, the scorning of my mercy, for this offends me more than all the other sins they have committed. So the despair of Judas displeased me more and was a greater insult to my son than his betrayal had been. Therefore, such as these are reproved for the false judgment of considering their sin to be greater than my mercy. Judas betrayed the mercy of God. Peter trusted in the mercy of God. There's a little bit of Judas within all of us. And all of us have this experience of failing, of imperfection, of turning our back on Jesus. And what the devil will do is he will allow discouragement to settle into our hearts because discouragement will lead to despair, which is a rejection of the mercy of God. When we believe that our sin cannot be forgiven by God, What we're saying to God is that my mistakes, my sin is too big for your mercy. That's prideful. There's nothing that we can do that cannot be forgiven by the mercy of God except our refusal to accept his mercy. St. Teresa of the Child Jesus teaches what offends God and wounds his heart most is want of of confidence. It is true that sin offends God, but what offends him more is our refusal to believe in his mercy for that sin. Every setback is a setup for sainthood. In God's providence, he gives us free will, and sometimes we abuse that free will and we fall. But it's a, consider that fall a setup a bounce, an opportunity to bounce right back into his arms of mercy. Now, we have this experience maybe of trying our best, falling, 
trying our best, falling. We have the goodwill. We have the intention. But no matter how hard we try, and no matter how much goodwill we have, we still seem to fall in the same areas. What should our response be? This is what Father Gabriel gets to. When we fall into the same imperfections after so many good resolutions, when after many efforts we still do not succeed in correcting certain faults or overcoming certain difficulties, and we find ourselves in one way or another far beneath what we ought or would like to be, let us have recourse to the infallible remedy of humility. We still have one possibility, to humble ourselves. So there you have it. You have good resolutions and you fall. You have good intentions and you fall. You try your best, you fall. You avoid the near occasion of sin and you fall. And you fall in the same areas again and again and again and again. Welcome to humanity. What should our response be? Well, when we're in that position and when we avoided the near occasion of sin and we've done all that we can do and we still fall, what we say in humility is, Jesus, I trust in your mercy for me. Jesus, I trust in your mercy for me. Jesus, I trust in your mercy for me. For what else is there? Friends, thanks for watching. Share with me below what stood out to you and why, and Janelle and I will see you tomorrow.